Thanks to ButcherBox.com for supporting PC Perspective. Receive free bacon and $20 off your first box when you go to ButcherBox.com slash PCPer and use the offer code PCPer. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 495 being recorded on April the 11th, 2018. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Malventano. Josh thinks he's very funny because we're having internet connectivity with him. Not with us, with him. It's always you. It's never me. Uh, never. No. So uh, we'll just wait for Josh to inevitably cut out during the one time he's talking during the podcast. And then we'll skip that story and we'll move on with our life. So welcome, everyone. Um, it's almost tax day. I hope everybody has that figured out by now. I don't. Actually, I just realized that. Uh, I, I do. I just don't thought, have the money to pay I yet. My, you know, I understand that too. I was kind of hoping my accountant would have emailed me today. Oh, well, uh, yeah, I'm already done. and pretty sure my check got stolen out of the mailbox. He's, he's keeping you in suspense. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. Great. <laughs> Great. <laughs> wait for the surprise, right? You, I bet you can't wait. Jeremy, I know that it takes a long time to get mail to you. So <laughs> maybe that's just what's happening for you. I don't know. Canadian packets, you know, it applies to. No, no. The, the envelope was left in there. Government of Canada ripped all open. So. Oh, okay. Someone got my tax return to the upstairs neighbors, I'm thinking. Can they cash that check or do they send cash through the Canadian? No. Because everybody's No, they're so not going to be able to unless they know a guy that doesn't mind getting arrested. Yeah, right. you got, everybody's got to know somebody I mean, like Canada that. Canada jail, that's like what? An American resort? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a three-star hotel, yeah. right? So. Yeah, you'd never survive, though. There's no heat. Oh, God. <laughs> Canadian, right? Uh, we record this show on Okay, Wednesday. Vancouver is not cold. No. <laughs> they had a Winter Olympics That's the exception. There. Yeah. Did, did you see pictures from there? <laughs> yeah. How far away from Vancouver did they have to get for the mountains to have snow, Jeremy? They, they drove it over from Alberta in giant trucks. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm not kidding. They imported the snow? Very nice. Yeah, we, we had to. Well, uh, we do record the show on Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific at pcper.com slash live. You can be there, watch our live stream, see the pre-show, post-show. We've got a chat room for you to hang out with and, and make fun of us and, and stuff as we go. Uh, offer beer suggestions, whatever you, you want to do. Uh, if you need a little reminder about the live stream and when we're doing it so you can remember to bump yourself on over to that website, you can go to pcper.com slash subscribe. And you'll get this page here, which asks for your name and your email address. And we'll send you an email as we're getting ready to do the live stream. So you'll, you'll have a little inbox notification, if you will. Push notifications if you are so set up on your, on your smartphones. But uh, no, no PC per app. Sorry, you guys just have to survive. And not only that, that yeah. you know, when you get an email like this, you feel important, unlike other spam. Right, which this is it's, not. It's spam. like us saying hello to you personally. It it is very much Greetings. like that. It is very much a oh crap. It's ten after nine. I forgot to send out this email. Uh, what are we going to so talk about today? If you're lonely and you want to be, you know, told about things, <laughs> you know who to talk to. Uh, it's not me, as it turns out. Uh, we also have our Patreon campaign running. That's at patreon.com slash pcper. That is this page here. It allows you to be a monthly recurring contributor to the website, uh, to us and the team here. Uh, it could be a dollar a month, two dollars, five, ten, twenty, a hundred, whatever you want it to be, depending on depending on what you value out of PC perspective and these guys. So 
I hope it's not a negative thing. I don't think they let you put in a negative number on here. Uh, but, you know, you get it. <laughs> picture Josh in a bathtub oh, still. God, no, no. I will never Could take you? this picture down. Never. Mm. Uh, and as always the case, if you become a new patron and or increase your patronage during the podcast recording, I will give you a shout out on uh, the, the podcast that we're recording right now. And that Patreon allows us to do new and interesting things we haven't done in the past, such as the mailbag, uh, which Josh covered the mailbag for us this week. So I did. If Josh happens to cut the gets cut out of the podcast and you need your weekly Josh Phil, you can go back to you know last week's episode of the mailbag and um, you can see him talk to you. I guess there and answer some questions such as uh, let's see. What are some of the questions? Battery charging strategy, endurance for video editing, uh, monitor with both G sync and free sync, all that type of stuff and more available in, uh, in the weekly mailbag. So thank you guys for your support for allowing us to do that. And also of course we have our merchandise store that is at bit.ly slash PC per merch, which takes you to this Teespring page where you can uh, order yourself a Death Wish Raid t-shirt or a hot dog down a hallway t-shirt, maybe most appropriate for today. Uh, Super Pipe, the PC Perspective Classic, otherwise known as the logo on your chest t-shirt. PC Per Mug and Sweet Sweet Lemonade are all available options. I think we should maybe look at trying to get some new designs. If we solicit for some some other designs, I think we've been sent a couple before that I just need to like follow up on. I'm trying to remember even what they were. Um, Problem is, we're just not funny anymore. No, I mean it's peaked. true. Yeah, it's true. They don't have to be funny. They can just be cool looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Also, Kent's we not, don't no. necessarily qualify anymore. We're too old. All of us are too old. Young at heart. I think even Ken is too old now to be considered <laughs> cool. So, but that that again is at bit.ly slash PC per merch and any purchase you do there, uh, uh, supports us as well. You know, I'm surprised the estate of that, um, um, actor in that movie that I'm featured in from Sebastian has not uh, sued us so far for the image. Well, I think maybe they're just too busy laughing. Well, we hope so. Uh, we do. Before we get into stuff, we do, we got a we got a fantastic new pledge from Chasp Zero. Chasp Zero pledged fifty dollars to the Patreon just now. Thank you. That is awesome. Chasp Zero. And uh, I believe in his avatar, he's wearing a cops T-shirt. So I think that makes it actually better. Thank you, sir. Um, as we get into the to the week, I will say. The reviews this week, we're going to run through pretty quick. Not a whole lot of meat here. Nothing spectacular was launched. Um, the, real, the real meat of the show, if you will, is both in the ad and in the news that will follow it shortly thereafter. So let's dive into to the reviews. Uh, I, when I said it the first time, I want you to know that I did not do it on purpose. But after I realized what had happened, <laughs> I felt like I should dive into it a second time. I'm just time. more disappointed than Josh. That's true. Maybe Everybody's dis- been disappointed with me in my entire life. Since I graduated high school when I had all of this potential, <laughs> look what this. I have achieved. Look at what you did with it. When you say this, what exactly are you referring to? Potential? What? Yeah, this potential. Yeah, this we potential. had all of this potential. I had all of this potential where, you know, I was like state of Wyoming citizen of the year in 1990. I was Snow King. <laughs> 
real things you know national honor society scholarships stuff like that and look what i've become so kids <laughs> don't be like me don't overachieve in high school because it gets you nowhere something don't overachieve in high life. school in wyoming at the very least Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the Intermax Platamax, which I think is a great name uh, because it sounds a little bit like platypus. Uh, the Platamax DF850 uh, power supply. Lee posted this review up last week. This is a the smallest 80 plus platinum power supply, which is which is impressive when you look at it. Um, it is awfully small. 850 watt continuous, 80 plus platinum, uh, six PCIe six plus two pin connectors. So in theory, you could. Support up three graphics cards, you know, three dual connector graphics cards mm-hmm. with this. Uh, fully modular, uh, dedicated quad 12 volt rail. So, no, um, none of the combined rail goodness here. This is an expensive power supply, though, $249, but it does come with a 10 year warranty as well, which is uh, pretty, pretty substantial. Um, Anything okay? Here's a little breakdown. I like that diagram actually. Breakdown of where the rails are coming from. So you can see two of the rails are dedicated to your motherboard processor combination, uh, and then you've got broken up between power supply. Or I'm sorry, graphics card and then graphics card plus uh, your SATA Molex. Nobody. Do, do they still ship floppy? Yep. Never mind. Oh yeah, they do. In fact, oh, still ship. FDD, baby. I guess. I guess other things do use those. The floppy sound, sound cards, like yeah. sound cards. Yeah. yeah, ancient sound cards. I like hey now. I kind of like the braiding on these on these cables as well. And is that they're all a, individually braided? Are they really for yes. her pleasure? That's that's pretty impressive. And then it also comes with a uh, retention clip for the power cord. Interestingly enough, so so how many times has anyone kicked their power cord out of a PSU? I I haven't it's done it on my happened. own systems. Do you have here, children? Ooh, <laughs> good point. Yeah, but aren't power supplies usually like at the back of the system against the wait, wall? Wait, wait, uh, it's going to stop a children? kid. I do not. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah, one that acts nice. That's fair. All right, all right. All right. Uh, so you can see the fan breakdown here. Obviously, we've got to look at the inside so Ken can can be excited. Oh, yeah. Ken, are you excited? Look eh. at the size of that cabling. Mm. What gauge is that? Seriously, that's that's thick with two thick. C's. I thought it was two Q's. Is that not how the kids spell it? I don't I don't know. No, I, I think it's two C's thick. Fair enough. How about that soldering, huh? Looks pretty sharp. What's all that white stuff all over the place? You don't uh, want to know. Keep it. Ken was in that. <laughs> Keeps it from vi- vibrating. Guys. It's not guys. Oil. It hardens quickly. Guys, I see that's that's what they call it silly. these days, huh? It's you guys are vibrating. Silly. Uh, hey, whatever you know, vibrating perform- stops. Whatever performance vibrating enhancers stops you need. when there's white stuff on it. Uh, the only weaknesses here: individually sleeve wires may not appeal to everyone. Although I, I think more than most. Um, would would appreciate that capability in there. Ten year warranty is also on this. You know, lots of multi GPU support. We talked about eighty plus platinum, but it is a high price. I would also kind of put that in one of the weaknesses for it if I were listing that. It's still got a gold award from Lee. So if you're in the in the market for uh, eight hundred to eight hundred and fifty to nine hundred watt power supply, if for some reason you need a really small power supply that isn't 
SFX, so won't fit in smaller chassis that like chassis designed for ATX power supplies would yeah. fit a bigger power supply. So, yeah. what was the warranty on this? Ten years. Ten year. Ten years. Ten years. Ten years indeed. Uh, we'll talk about the Corsair keyboard here, but we have a new pledge from Paul Kurtz. Pledged five dollars. Five dollars. Five dollars. Thank you, Paul. Do you know, what I can get for five dollars uh, another hamburger. No, no, that's oh. I need I need eleven dollars and forty eight cents. Jeez. <laughs> but oh. if I went to Taco Bell, I could get one of their five dollar boxes. Mm-hmm. True. It was, you know, but you will have to have at least here. You have to have five thirty six. Really? Because Wyoming doesn't tax food anymore. We tax not right. real food, which Taco Bell no, counts as. We, we tax prepared we ta- food. We don't tax groceries. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. You can have prepared food that's not Taco Bell. It's still tax. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All restaurants are Taco Bell All in the future. All restaurants are Taco Bell. That's right. Come on, guys. We, we know this already. Uh, let's look at the Corsair K68 RGB mechanical keyboard. This is uh, posted by Christopher. Could we look at that, please? We right will. Now? We will right now. Christopher Koch posted Chris Koch. this up. Uh, this is $119 mechanical Cherry MX Red keyboard RGB. Uh, one thing I will point out right away that I noticed when I was posting this up is that it's only available at Best Buy in the U.S. I was looking for it at Amazon. I was looking for it on Newegg. Could not find it. Um, but it is it is a Best Buy exclusive, so keep that in mind. Uh, obviously, you can buy it online if you don't have a, a Best Buy near you. RGB, this is one of the ones they consider to be like spill-resistant, I guess. Splash-proof. Is that, yep. They're called splash-proof. I don't – I mean – he he did the work here, guys. Uh, Thank the Lord. He did it's the clear. <laughs> <laughs> it looks a little bit like he used a misting gun on it or something. Uh, <laughs> I had it handy for the photo shoot. Oh, yep. man. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, a, a fairly next- standard, you know, RGB mechanical keyboard. Uh, it's a very similar design to the key, one of the keyboards I use a lot. It doesn't have the volume roller on it i guess they kind of got rid of that uh, i don't see that on there no uh the corsair software remains ken is your experience with this software complex easy to use uh it's not great but they have that beta of the new one that's supposedly a lot better oh really <laughs> yeah iq i believe Get it? oh yes yes they just announced yeah. that like last week okay there was a comment in there at the very top, I believe, on this page, saying that a disadvantage was that the key presses seemed slightly softer than a standard red. So is there like a waterproof membrane between the actual keycap and the switch? Is that how it's splashproof? Yeah. Uh, well, spray-proof. Well, I think... I just grabbed the IP rating. The IP32, so it's protected from tools and wires greater than 2.5 millimeters and water (laughs) spray less than 15 degrees from vertical. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, you could sort of do a spit take over it. (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. He describes the keys a little bit squishy, so there's obviously a little something in between the red and the... Casing there. A little cushion for the push. So this isn't this still isn't yeah. a uh put it in your dishwasher style keyboard no. if something happens. Okay. All right. Let's be honest. You need the keyboard that will give the greatest chance of success if you spill your beer on it. And this is it. Yeah. You may not be rated for it, but it's gonna it's gonna be the greatest chance you have. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so check that out. Again, it's $119, Corsair K68. We have a K, uh, Corsair K95 review going up next week as well. That's kind of like uh, a flagship model step above this if you're interested. It is more expensive, but uh, we'll talk about that next week. I don't think that one's a spill-resistant model. 
Uh, Sebastian posted a review of the <sighs> Azul Byte 3 Fanless Apollo Lake Mini PC. It looks like that. Any thoughts? Anybody? No? Yes? Quad core Intel. It's wee. It is very small. Quad core Apollo Lake, you know, the uh, uh, Atom N3450 available on four 8 gigs of RAM. Has an EMMC 32 gig partition in it, or not partition, the storage array in it. And then it has two, 2.5 SSD or M.2 SSD support in there. Obviously, add it on yourself. The M.2 slot is AHCI SATA, not uh pcie nvme or anything of that sort uh does have embedded wi-fi gigabit ethernet bluetooth 4 support for 4k 60 hertz hdmi um sd card slot in here it's it's definitely a neat looking device i've never heard of this brand i've never heard of this this series um essentially like it's, wow it's, what's that it's a slightly more where 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 on the back that blue thing what is that uh those are usb ports no to the right oh that's oh. an ethernet no oh. keep going some sort oh, of that serial power connection <laughs> i don't know what, that must what be is that With the, oh that's a serial that's, that's i, I a think serial that's only port. for industrial use you're plugging your atari joystick <laughs> that's not a serial port it's a vga port yes i know yeah no Hey, you know what? This is clearly meant for a different uh, classification of of system, right? It's got an interesting pattern on the top of it. Uh, looks like the looks like a record kind of. This is something that I would immediately take my fingernail and drag it across and make that sound like yeah. you have the. You should get a needle and it'll play uh, ABBA lyrics backwards for you. <laughs> yeah, but in very short bursts, apparently. In very short, very short. Uh, so Sebastian obviously tears this thing apart. It's a bare bones. You kind of have to if you want it to function. Um, <laughs> you need to add some componentry to it. Two and a half hard hitting analysis from Ryan Stroud. Hey, you know I do what I can. Uh, you can see where it sits in terms of performance levels. Obviously, if you get into something like a Nook that we've tested here that has a you know a, a, seven, a six generation Core i seven, it's the gonna Skull be Trail Nook, I believe. Way, way faster. Uh, is it? It's got an HQ part in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably right. Yeah. Um, you know, and then ECS, who, which we have reviewed a lot of their mini PCs, kind of has models, you know, both below it and above it, right? So if you get the the Leva Z Plus, it has a full, you know, notebook caliber Core i5-9300U in it. It's obviously going to be much faster in CPU performance. But um, this new cell, I think I said Adam before, this Celeron N3450 is, is, is fairly competent, especially when you get into multi-threading capability over some of the some of the previous models. And you can see that through some of these other benchmarks, Cinebench, PC Mark 8. Um, it is less than 200 bucks, and yep. it's bare bones, right? So you still have to add... Well, it comes with memory. Oh. Uh, I think it comes with four gigs, the one that he got. It's got the 30-some gigs of EMMC memory, so it ships with Win 10. Yep. So you can upgrade it with like an M.2 or the... Sada that he did, huh. but it is it would run out of the box, which is kind of impressive. And the most expensive configuration is apparently three hundred and thirty eight dollars. Interesting. So it's it's certainly low cost. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, editor's choice there. That's for Sebastian that's who has pretty, seen quite a bit of these devices. Oh, it's, he's uh, seen it all. He's seen so much in his time. You know, so much. So much. All right, our next uh, review here comes from Alan. He's looking at the Icy Dock Tough Armor MB516SP-B. 
which is a high-density, 16-bay, hot-swappable SAS SATA device. End, uh-huh. of, end of review. End of review. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what we're looking at. It's a dual five and a quarter because, because physics. Sure, sure. You can't fit 16 Is, is, is it a USB 2.0 device? Uh, no. Mm, it's no, it's not, no, it's not USB mm. 2.0. Does this actually fit in chassis and like the other IC docs uh, yes, we've bought actually, and tried you, to put in the chassis? If you look at that picture closely, kind of has the, the line cut out. If you look at that here, picture closely, yeah. that line goes like the groove on the center down the side goes like two inches into the enclosure. Do you think maybe you used a little bit too big of a photo well, for uh, this? It's like twelve hundred <laughs> by. Something? No, it is not no. good, sir. Well, it is one hundred percent not a twelve hundred pixel. Ryan's image. hosting bills are just going up and up because Alan. Hey, hey, hey! Can you can you take out two Blu-ray? devices uh drives and and put those in there it's kind of what it looks like so then you'd have to have three optical bays blu-ray drives you can fit in there <laughs> what was the last time you saw a computer with three optical drive bays on it no, see josh would get the slimline jo- josh wants yeah. ic doc to make a uh six high slimline blu-ray mountable thing that fits in two. Oh, now we're talking. Right? Mm-hmm. So he that way he can distribute all of his films on Blu-ray. Yes, all his films. <laughs> <laughs> They're artistic endeavors. Ah, uh, <clears throat> yes. Um, so, it's a steel drive cage with the, you know, typical hot swap backplane kind of thing. Uh, uses the same kind of hot swap. Um, Got my favorite Young Lin Tech fan on the back. <laughs> Yeah, eighty millimeter fans, so you don't have not a, like one of those, you know, twenty millimeter crazy high RPM fans. Right, uh, it's actually very quiet. Um, what showing, are the what are these connections in the back? These are the SAS connectors, right? These are Mini SAS HD. Mini SAS HD. Each of those connects to four drives. Yes, each okay. of those is four. The cables not included. Okay, can I, can I complain? Sure. What, what, what? Usually, why does storage need to be in HD? I well, know. Hard drive. Mini want, SAS it's HD. high density. It's meant to be high density. The it's pins high are high density. definition data. No, it's high density. High density connector. Like, think about it. You're fitting four SATA connectors worth of stuff there. And that one connector cannot button. be high density. I'm sorry. A connector it's just, is just a connector. A connector. Yeah, uh, I would okay. agree with that. Okay. It's higher. Yes, you can have higher density than previous connectors, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then, I, I mean, you could say, it, okay, so don't call it that. Call it. Small form factor eighty six forty three. If you yeah, really perfect, like. I love that. Okay, fine. Yeah, I like do that. that one. <laughs> oh, Jesus, and, and is this power? Uh, just wait, wait. SATA is power? Jesus joining this podcast? Yes, yes. Just where, uh, where? standard SATA power style connectors. Uh, you so don't s- still only four of them for sixteen drives. Yes, and they're all bussed together, so you don't even actually have to connect all four there. You can get away with like two, or depends on how much power your devices are going to draw. Hmm. But. Yeah, 16 hard drives. Yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't yeah. use two of them for 16 yeah, hard you'd drives. Find, you'd have to find 7 millimeter yeah, I, hard I, I, drives. I thought busing became illegal oh, sure. about 30 years ago. <sighs> Josh is on a roll. Yeah, everybody. That's yeah. some sweet, sweet sighing <laughs> yes. coming from Alan. Sweet. <laughs> sweet so that's sighing. what he was after. He got it. Um, <laughs> so we plugged a bunch of drives into this and uh, did some quick tests just to make sure. All the lights are green. Well, yeah, all the lights are green. Uh, the lights light up green if the drives are powered and idle. And then as the activity is the opposite, it actually like turns the light off for activity. So you plugged in 16 one terabyte SSDs from Okay, how, how did you get one group to send you 16 one terabyte SSDs? Uh, by asking repeatedly over a very long period of time. 
Did you send any videos? No, what we did was um, we had Ken ask for four, and then <laughs> I asked for four, and Alan asked for four, and then Alex asked for four. Yeah, then, then we combined. It was like no, Voltron. But we, but we did it over a three-month period, so nobody would find out. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so between that and uh, you know, all the testing, so far we only did a little bit of testing just to make sure, okay, are these things going full speed? Because there's really nothing else to this. There's no chips there's no here. controller here. There's, there's no, no RAID array. There's nothing like that. Yeah, it's just a pass through straight through the backplane to the drive. It's a housing. It's, just, it's basically just housing. Yeah, it looks a little more complicated when you look at the PCBs, but in reality, it's just electrically connecting those mini SAS connectors to the Got it. to the drive. It's still impressive to see these speeds, isn't it? Wouldn't you say it's impressive to see these big numbers, Alan? Do you think uh, it's cool that you can I, see I'm, these big I'm, numbers? I, mean, I like the big it's numbers. It's not as big Thank as you. it should be, but. Yes. I hear that. Uh, <laughs> they always <laughs> want it bigger. We got uh, 6 gig per second using a Rocket Raid 840A. 6 gig per second just happens to be the rated maximum mm. of that particular uh, Raid card. Um, so we're kind of limited there. So then I backed off on the drive count. And in Addo, we still got close to 6 gig per second down with 14 drives. Okay. Which, if you divide that out, gets you closer to like what a full speed SATA drive is, but right. it wasn't the full speed of it. It was still like a hundred bank per second shy or something like that. Um, so I dropped it to eight, and then uh, did an iometer, just straight oh, sequential sure. read. Um, that gave us just over four gig per second, which worked out to five hundred fifteen meg per second per drive, which is kind of what you would expect so, for full speed. So why why are you complaining about speed here? Uh, Six gig. I mean, yeah, yeah. no, it's 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 good. It's just that you can't get it's double NVMe. Well, double. yeah, yeah, I'm with you. You know what, Alan? Happily, excess is never enough. <laughs> True. Um, so this is a 120. No, no. I included the price of the eight bay model for comparison. Oh, I see. Uh, so this one, which is not on New Egg or Amazon yet, is 340 bucks. 340 dollar. Yeah, it's kind of out there. What do you get for three hundred forty dollars? An electrical bridge box. So here's the thing: you see in that you you can't easily just buy two of the hundred and twenty dollar model and just stack them on top of each other and then use it because you'd need a card with sixteen SATA ports on it, individual SATA ports, which is kind of a pain. Can you you not get get cables that will go from sixteen SATA ports to four mini SAS HD? Uh, You can. Those are the those, UHD ones. Those are more expensive than the. <laughs> those, are, yeah, those are the UHD ones. Those are more expensive uh, even than the, the cables that are just straight uh, mini size. Are they $120 more expensive? Um, maybe not. <laughs> but closer than you might think. Uh, yeah. Mm. I don't know. And also, there's the fact that I'm not sure that the price of this is going to hold at the MSRP like the other model has. Uh, and that's because it's already for sale for like $288. Mm. Um, and that's with it only being at like three places so far, three outlets, right. and it's, right. it's kind of hard to find so far. So, it's an impressive collection of stuff there. What's the raid card you have there? What's the uh, that is the Rocket um, uh, 840A? Got it. Uh, Rocket Raid. So high it, point. It, is this the device that we had the weird issue with the one cable dropping out a couple weeks ago? Yeah, that was the early version of the PCB for this. We were working with oh, IC Dog. Okay. IC Doc revised this product on account of our testing. To be fair, they were shipping a broken product. Yes. It's not like they sent us one for review pre-production. They were shipping this and then recalled I think they it because were it didn't work. to ship it I th- or started already shipping it. Granted, it's only at three places even now, and it's been like a couple months later. Right? Sure. So, so I'm not sure what the level of 
like, you know, it's not like you could buy it on Amazon and it was a defective product. But we did, I think we were the first people to sample it from them. And thank goodness for them, probably, is that like we were, we caught this pretty early. It was like, hey, this might not work right with a couple of these raid cards here. And then they went, oh, oh, uh, oh, yeah. Let's send you a revised PCB to try. So that's how in the internal structure. So what, of this what does anybody have. need this for? You need to put 16 drives in a machine. Okay. And be able to hot swap them. Hey, hey Brian. How, yeah. how would how would frame rating work with this? Probably pretty um, damn well. I mean, pretty 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 well considering two SSDs. Or I think two SSDs will work just fine. Two could in RAID probably zero, but we use four in RAID zero. Oh, yeah. We did, that. but I don't. No, th- we, I, wouldn't, no, I wouldn't think we had no, to. We, but whatever. Uh, it's a little overkill. But you do get the nice capacity. That's no. true. too. Sixteen tiers. But it, I will say this: it. if you're extremely no, well, <laughs> before you say that, even. What I was started saying was like, if you're extremely sensitive to latency, I'm specifically not. for writes, you probably want to stick with something like a 750. I'm not sensitive to latency as long as it goes. I don't like. Are you worried about drop frames for frame rating is your issue. It's not latency. That's like that is latency. That's I mean, we're currently it's using just, four Sandforce two SSDs and a Promise RAID enclosure or a Thunderbolt one. Like so, Gen I think one, we're yeah. not latency. If that worked, <laughs> I think in that case though, your OS we're not latency was, bound. I think your OS was helping you buffering some stuff. Maybe before it went over Thunderbolt. All I know is that original OCC Z drive did not work because it was doing way too much of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, dropping frames true. over, and the that place. drive was supposed to be really good at that. Oh well. All right. Uh, before we get into our ad, then, any, any other follow-ups on the No, I mean, it was the, cool. dunk? the only right. really thing I could dang it on was that the those little numbers that, that you, like, stick on the trays, yeah, which can be swapped around, like, if you had extra spare trays or whatever, uh, the ones they give you only count up to eight. And it's a 16-bit yeah. drive? Yeah, they give you two sets of them. That's two, two things. You know, two things. What? Yes. One, did you do the spray test on that drive array? <laughs> Excuse me? Exactly. Did you do the spray test? Like we did on the that, keyboard, you mean? That was in the power yeah. supply review. The white exactly. stuff? No, 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 no. The, the, the keyboard. I'm oh. not that gross. I almost paying attention. It's fine. <sighs> and two, uh, uh, Ryan, uh, somebody give you a hickey? What? Look at your neck. What about it? Oh. At his neck. Look at this. He got what that, happened, he got that man? in a fight with a congressman. I probably shaved. That monthly maintenance thing. That one spot. We don't all have laser treatment to get that long. (laughs) You know what? Not everybody can go in front of Congress. Thank you. It was a a nerve wracking couple of days. It was. It was. But you know what? What's up with the single Windsor knot tie? I drank that water very well. Thank you very much. All right. uh, Before we get to our ad for the day, we do have two new Patreons. Uh, (laughs) uh, Mr. Poopy Butthole. Just pledge, <laughs> just pledge three dollars. That's awesome. I am, I have, I am I have so juvenile. You are, and John Anderson pledged five dollars. So thank you to both of you for that. Greatly, thank you, greatly Mr. Anderson. Has it been twenty seconds yet? Um, I'm going to make it twenty seconds. I will say this in, in advance: we're going to mute Josh during the entirety of this advertisement because it's all raw meat in a box. Uh, it is actually. Let's check out. It is actually. Bacon. All right, so let's talk about today's sponsor. If you can control yourself. Okay, I'm gonna be good. Hang on, hang on. Let me take a couple of deep breaths. (laughs) No one can be prepared for free bacon. 
Free bacon's going to be breath. great. Go. Although, again, Jeremy's spoiling it. Well, I guess, no, if you're listening to this after the fact, you've also already heard the lead-in, <laughs> I guess, to that as well. Uh, so let's say thanks to our, our latest addition to the sponsor, ButcherBox, for supporting our podcast. ButcherBox is essentially a, uh, a a meat delivery service. As Josh said, a raw meat delivery service. You choose from curated boxes, including a mix of high-quality beef, chicken, and pork, or you can actually customize it yourself. Uh, each box is shipped with carefully calculated amount of dry ice to ensure it remains frozen after it reaches your doorstep. Uh, Butcher Box delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef, free-range organic chicken, and heritage breed pork. It's antibiotic and hormone-free, and you can cook with peace of mind knowing you're eating healthy, high-quality meat. Uh, they have a, an interesting selection of stuff here. It's, it's pretty robust. ButcherBox carefully curates finest selections and cuts, makes it easy to customize your delivery. Uh, and you can think of ButcherBox as your neighborhood birch, butcher to get quality beef, chicken, and pork delivered right to your door. And to me, that's probably the most important. It's delivered right to my door. I don't have to pick it out. And it all works out really well. ButcherBox meats come from humanely raised animals that are never fed antibiotics, hormones, or fatty fillers. Um, we had a butcher box delivered to us, and it did come with free bacon, which I'll mention here in just a second. Very important free bacon. That was the first thing we cooked, of course, and uh, that was a very good, very tasty breakfast for us. My daughter, a uh, big fan of, of bacon. In fact, mm-hmm. we give her bacon, eggs, pancakes, uh, sausage. It's pretty much bacon, then sausage, and then I'm done. That's pretty much all. That's all she does. She used to eat pancakes all the time. Now, not so much. Um, we had we cooked two New York strips last night that were actually really, really good. And either I became an overnight fantastic uh, chef, or unlikely. If it does seem unlikely, or the steaks were really good. Just didn't have to do anything to them. Put them on the grill last night. It was a little cold here, but I felt like I needed to. Needed to grill some of those steaks up before we did the ad for, uh, specifically. So that worked out really, really well. Um, we do have an offer for you. It's important. Everybody needs to pay attention now. This is something you're going to want to take advantage of. For free you, bacon. You, you, you had me at meat in the box. I know. I know. But I'm going to make it better, Josh. You just for, said, you just okay. said free bacon. For free bacon. And and twenty dollars off your first box. Go to butcherbox.com slash PCPer and enter the promo code PCPer. That's free bacon. And twenty dollars off your first box when you go to butcherbox.com slash PCPer and enter code PCPer. And we thank Butcherbox for their support of our uh, podcast. And I don't know. I don't know how anybody's gonna turn down free bacon. It would be very hard to do. Because it is free, I mean, it's free and bacon. it is bacon. Free bacon. And literally, as soon as you say that, everybody's ears perk up. Everybody's more attentive. Well, what? What's that? Free bacon? I mean, it, mm-hmm. it might have free as in beer. Eat. Uh, free as in bacon would be a good substitute, I think. Free bacon. All yeah. right. As I was saying before the, yeah. the podcast, generally free beer. You never know. What Take you're it getting. or leave it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> free bacon? Free bacon. Oh, yeah. You got me now. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, let's get on to the news items here. I told you this is where the meat of the show would be. There. So they they would even deliver meat in the box to me in uh, Wyoming. You have to put in your zip code and make sure, but I think so, yes. Zip code. In the winter, they don't need dry ice. No, they probably don't. <laughs> they say they just they walk outside and, and, and send it back to them so they could use it later. Uh, yes, 
Uh, oh, I didn't have a news post for this. So let's talk about something. We didn't have a news story to or a link to really talk about. I could have linked to some other site to post about it. But Chris Hook has left AMD after, I don't know, like 100 years or something at the company. I think it's actually like, what, 20, Josh, 20. or something like that. 20. Started at ATI, yeah. young pup, uh, apparently in his 20s. I don't remember what those were like. Um, his 20s or your 20s? His 20s. I don't remember what his 20s were like. And Well, both. I don't yeah, remember what my like 20s three. were like either. So he um, was a, a PR guy slash marketing guy at AMD, you know, really took charge of a lot of stuff there, responsible for a lot of uh, uh, events that media would attend um, to learn about new architectures, to learn about new products, uh, responsible for a lot of marketing that went in with the Radeon brand, especially once the Radeon Technologies Group was created. He has now... Uh, left AMD. He's announced that he's left AMD. He hasn't announced where he's going, uh, but he has said he has already taken another job, So, and it'll be there by the end of April, so we won't have to wait long uh, to figure out what that's going to be. Um, he's replaced by... Uh, oh, no. I lost my notes. Uh, Sasha Marinkovic. Marinkovic. Yeah, there we go. Uh, who I also know does a really good job. Uh, has a little bit different style right in terms of their marketing so i'll be curious to see what changes take place at amd and the radeon side and if he's going to handle any of the uh, uh the cpu side stuff as well it'll be interesting to be interesting to see obviously the speculation is that chris is going to go to uh intel and work with raja he was very close with raja raja now at amd leading that graphics division um could end up in nvidia obviously he has a lot of background in graphics would be beneficial there if NVIDIA wanted to, you know, ramp up their, their PR marketing departments. I don't know. Or if you're Intel, do you need somebody to kind of get that ball uh, rolling? I think it will be a really interesting thing to follow. I think he's going to that cold press juice place. <sighs> oh, out of San Francisco. Oh yeah. 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 Are you no, talking about the live water place? <laughs> could be raw that. water, I think you mean. Raw, yeah, water, raw water. Yeah. water. Life of water is just yeah. ridiculous. I gave you some raw water. <laughs> so it's interesting yeah. that there that there is some more transitioning happening at Site AMD. And one thing I would point out, just from my own editorial contribution to this, it would be that I think it's it's probably a positive move for both of these parties involved, Chris and AMD. Chris has been there for a really long time. He's done a lot of great stuff, uh, but clearly. Um, with with the way Vega turned out and everything, that there was just a lot of animosity towards the company and in the company about how things were handled and 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 what directions needed to be taken like, going forward. Like Vega Nano, yeah, yeah. Off. That forever photo will be burned in my image of Chris holding yes. up that Vega Nano as he went through security going into uh, that AMD event at SIGGRAPH. Um, but and for AMD, they kind of get a fresh start. They can kind of you know. Get an idea of where they want to go. For Chris, he he gets to take on a new adventure, uh, you know, address some new challenges, do some interesting things, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure he's going to do fine. He's he's currently on a vacation with his family where he doesn't have to worry about checking a work email for the first time in twenty something years. So you're just spamming him emails all the time, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I have his personal email address, so it's just over yeah. and over. Hey. How about now? How about now? How about now? How's hey, it going? what are you doing? <laughs> Look at going? this picture of the shrimp I got in a box. <laughs> Check out my meat box. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's like eight on the Got purple good. Josh. Got good. Uh, speaking of uh, some AMD happenings, 
the uh, let's see. I think it was Mark Papermaster that posted this. Uh, yes, Mark Papermaster, senior vice president and CTO at AMD, posted an update on AMD processor security. This has nothing to do with the CTS Labs BS that occurred. Uh, this is instead about Spectre mitigation. So um, you know, an actual insecure thing. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, the thing that was actually real. Um, Wasn't this the one that was extremely like? Couldn't even be reproduced as it was already. So I don't know. Well, so it was highly improbable. It was. They called it near zero. Impossible. Okay. Yeah, they called it. This is the one they called near zero. This is for uh, Spectre variant two. So variant one is the one that they that was fixed through operating system updates. Right. Um, Meltdown was the one that AMD's architecture wasn't susceptible to because of the architectural differences between it and Intel. Right. And this is variant two, which is the one that everybody's, uh, you know, that AMD said near zero, but not zero. Uh, and these mitigations should help take that to actual zero. Now, these are the same things. This, the, this works the same way in what Intel has done in that Microsoft has to release an operating system update containing mitigations and AMD users will need to update the microcode on their motherboards or platforms. They've, they've apparently released to their customers and ecosystem partners uh, for processors all the way you know, dating back to the very first bulldozers back in 2011. Um, Which is a bit better than in, Intel. Um. I think it's about the same. It's about the same. It's pretty a close. little bit better. Now, what I so will, far we have not had firmwares pulled from the AMD side. Also true. Uh, what do you mean by pulled? Correct, because well, of like lock yeah. booting and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they haven't released new BIOSes yet, right? Like they just sent these out to these customers yesterday. So your ASUS, MSI, Gigabytes of the world, they're getting them yesterday. Right. Oh, nice. So we'll, we'll get a nice surprise next week. Uh, so in theory, we should get these new BIOS updates. Now, it's okay. what, within, one a, thing, within a week. I mean, it okay, depends, depends on how... Yeah, yeah. Pull out those 990FX boards and do compatibility testing. I'm sure everyone's happy right. about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so one of the things I was actually really curious about, though, was they they do not mention at all in this post or in my questions to them um, anything about performance, right? Intel's been very upfront talking about performance degradations that come with these microcode updates, you know, everything from 0% in gaming to 25% in Eventually storage. What's that? Eventually upfront about performance uh, Correct, hits. correct. I, I wouldn't say day one they were very open, but as the, the as it hit the fan. I mean, should we suspect really that there would be some major? I don't know. We don't know what they're doing. So we, yeah, I don't know what true. they're doing. I don't, we don't know, know how they're. Than Intel. We don't know how they're fixing. Correct. It, how they're mitigating it is. The and, be, and they're not telling us, right? And and again, as soon as we get that first BIOS update, people are going to start doing testing. So yeah. I think it's it makes sense for AMD to be very upfront about this and talk about it. And if it's, you know, what worries me is the fact that they're not talking about it. And then if there is a slowdown, well, the, to me, if they're not saying that there's no performance degradation. To me, it means that there is performance degradation and they don't want to talk about it. And either way, if there is none, talk about it and brag about it. If there is some, you need to talk about it and be upfront with the community before yeah. people figure it out and start you know, doing a witch hunt type thing around it. Because yeah. so, then you might have somebody figure out, think they figured out something, but they're testing it the wrong way. And then it's, now it looks worse than it actually right. is. And yeah. Correct. Correct. So uh, while I, you know, I'm glad to see AMD put out these updates, I would like more detail um and it's not like amd hasn't had time with this stuff they've they got notified at the same time intel got notified so uh 
Give me some more information, Mark. I need more information. Uh, speaking of questions you might have for AMD, let's talk about uh, Cabby Lake G. And apparently there's ongoing, continued, new controversy around whether or not the GPU on this processor is based on Polaris or based on Vega. And I know, Josh, you had an interesting uh, point about this because I know when we were first hearing the rumors about Cabby Lake G, mm-hmm. um, we were debating whether or not it was going to be a Polaris-based part or a Vega-based part. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we found out that it had HBM2 memory. Which, and then everybody jumped on, well, it's obviously got to be Vega. Well, yeah, because yeah. Polaris had never shipped with an H, anything other than a GDDR5 uh, memory controller integrated onto it. It's not an easy swap. It's not just a switch. You can flip back and forth and say, oh, I want to operate at this time in HBM and I want to operate at this time in GDDR. Um, sure it is. There's, there's FIFO buffers involved. So, yeah, you can, you can shoehorn anything in there with enough time. Well, yes, what I'm saying, saying is it's not like built into the architecture. No, it's already. It's, it's not. Yeah, it's it's a significant change yeah. in, in yeah. the layout. So the other the other kind of interesting data points in this are uh, that if you install a Vega 56, Vega 64, and you run the DX Diag tool, which is a a little thing that pops up all the different variants of DirectX that are supported by that GPU, um, you know those add-in cards show that they support DirectX 12.1. The Cabulate G system shows that it does not. It only supports 12.0. I um, thought there was another data point, too. Oh, yeah. Tom's Harbor did some testing where they looked at, uh, they were trying to look at FP16 and FP32 math. I don't know what just happened to my, in there it zoomed in. I didn't want to do that. Oh, no. Now it's too much. There we go. Too much, too much, too, uh, too much. So basically, if you look at this graph, Vega 56 and Vega 64 get a performance uplift when you enable half precision floating point shaders. Um, the RX 47 based on Polaris sees nothing. Um, the Ryzen 5. Can I, can I ask a question here? Can I finish my statement first? Sure. He's going to finish. Ryzen 5 2400G sees the same uplift. We're talking about uplifts of 60 plus percent, uh, whereas Polaris and the Cabulate G see essentially 0% uplift. So now, Josh, you may make a point. So so what happened to FP24? Uh nobody cared. Oh come on. That was the Radeon 9700 Pro. Yeah, what year was that? It may have been 2003, maybe 2002. Yeah. So like I said, nobody cared. Um, okay, anyway. Nobody cares now. So now the debate was is this a Vega part? Is this a a Polaris part? There are clearly some features that are either not enabled or not included on this part that should be in Vega, um, but it does have a different memory controller than what we've ever seen from players. Josh, what are your thoughts on uh, this whole debacle, I'll call it? Okay, so Kyle, a while ago, talked about this. You know, what, what last year... He released the first information that he had gotten that Intel had set up shop in Markham, Ontario. That's yes, correct. Yes. And that they were co-designing a part. And so if you were looking at that, you knew that um they had been there for like a year before. And if you go back a year before, Vega hadn't even been taped out. So they were taking what looked to be a Polaris part, adding the HBM2 support, 
making sure it worked with uh, Intel. And I think the biggest part of all that is really going to be the power control of this part integrating with what Intel wants to do so it can hit a pretty decent TDP but still have really good performance. And so there was a lot of hands-on stuff. And it wouldn't make any sense to go ahead and do a Vega architecture because that hadn't been even taped out yet. It was still in the design phases. But Polaris was available. So they took what they had and integrated that in. And as far as I'm concerned, they did a fantastic job working together to make this part. And so, yeah, it, it... it's called Vega, and you would hope that it would be Vega, but the timeline that they were working on this to make sure it worked as well as it did, it kind of had to be Polaris. I guess. I mean, Vega taped out in 2016. Um, Supposedly, this started in spring of yeah. 2016 and possibly winter 2015. It's possible. I, I think the other, the other... The other thought I had had during talking about how far back Intel would be would be up in Markham is is a lot of it is around they wanted it to be perfect so they weren't just going to throw a couple of guys up there three months beforehand um, and a lot of that development work might have been you know EMIB implementation or you know just other validation stuff um, it it's an interesting debate now uh, there's a couple of other things I would mention one in terms of what what you lack if you're running Polaris rather than than Vega is is truthfully still pretty minor, right? You lose the ability to support, you know, double packed. What is it? Uh, rapid packed math. Um, the uh, new geometry shaders that aren't implemented in anything yet. Um, what am I missing? There's another Vega specific uh, HPCC. HBCC, yeah, which again you're not going to use on this this type of solution, like a notebook yeah. type of solution. There's something with uh, <clears throat> tile-based rendering as well. No, I don't think it's tile-based no, rendering. No, they're all Yeah, there was another minimal. There was another thing, um, but you know, if you remember back to like the Vega 64, Vega 56 launch, and before that, the uh, the Vega Frontier Frontier editions. There were a lot of stories, including some of ours that talked about the lack of IPC improvements going from Polaris to Vega, that the compute units remained fundamentally the same. And if you put them at clock for clock settings, they are performing nearly identically. Um, And so with that in mind, you know, does this change my opinion about Kaby Lake G as a part? No, it does not. You know, the nook, System no it does not. I still think it's a very high performance part. Um, I, I think one of the interesting things is that's kind of confusing in all of this is if you look back at our review of the Hades Canyon Nook, uh, I tested Far Cry Five. Mm-hmm. It's one of these game. It's one of these games that uh, supports rapid pack to math, and it is the game that saw the biggest performance lead for the eighty eight hundred nine G. Yeah, an unusually high performance gap. Yeah, I mean odd. It would be interesting to to look at that and and compare. We'd have to compare, you know, a Vega fifty six to an RX four eighty to this and see it's like enable the feature you can't do versus that on the same CPU platform. Like if you as, if you go to Far Cry five, yeah. can we can you even enable that feature? I don't think it's a feature you enable. Oh, okay. I think it's it just, just happens. It's just part of the engine. It can do FP sixteen. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's. 
I understand why people are miffed about this, and I think it's I think it's a it was it was a poor decision to call it you know Vega M graphics. And now I'm very curious whose decision was it to call it Vega M graphics? Was it Intel's pushing? Was it AMD's pushing? Um, you know, you could see reasons why you'd want this from both angles. Intel would want it to appear to be the most recent architecture, right? They want this new part to feel like it's the newest, best thing. Um, that they got the best from Radeon. They didn't want to. They didn't want to play. Have the second best architecture from Radeon in their solution. Um, AMD this, might want Vega to be on the branding because this is every, every every time Intel goes out and pushes that product, it's branding and messaging for Vega, Vega going forward, right? And talking about hey. Even Intel wants to use our new Vega architecture. Everybody should want to use Vega. So is this is this part like something that would have had to have been like taped out separately? In other words, it's a modification of either yeah. one or the other. Yeah, right. Would, yeah, it would have to have been. So is it not possible that like okay, so maybe they had development done on like a few major parts of Vega? Well, and they're just like, all right, well, we can just kind of stick this part in there, but we don't mm-hmm. have all the rest of the stuff. So, so, like, the, the CUs are different on this part as opposed to, like, a Vega 56 part from what I remember. Yeah. Like, they have more ROPs. The, the ROP ratio is different as yeah. well, yes. So it's, like, an even yeah. more customized part than just taking a yeah. Vega compute Yeah, but core. that's something they might have done just because it has just a different number of processors. They just wanted to architect it slightly differently yeah, for sure. whatever the reasons are, like packaging or whatever. Who knows, right? I but, think I think what should have happened is this shouldn't have had Vega branding. It shouldn't have Polaris branding. It should have had its own. It branding. should have had its own branding, right? Yeah. But that, that you know, maybe doesn't benefit. And I, and I wrote this in my story, right? Is like, if you do that, literally every technical editor is going to come to you and be like, yeah, okay, but what's it like? Yeah. Because we do that with Xbox and PlayStation. Maybe, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's custom. Sure, sure, sure. But what is it closest to? Yeah. Is it like an RX 460? Is it like an RX 580? Right? Like, we always ask these questions. So maybe but, they thought they were getting you, around to that. Still, can, you could still argue that it, it's probably closer to Vega, right? Doesn't I, have all the features. I think you would probably argue it's closer to Polaris plus HBM2 memory. Oh. Right? But again, does it matter? And, and, and as, I, as I write in, this, in the piece, the nature of semi custom chip design is that, in bold letters, they are custom. Yeah. And it was always called a semi custom part. But because they attached that word Vega to it, it caused all this confusion. Do I think it changes its positioning in the market? I do not. Do I put a whole lot of weight behind the ability for the inability for it to do rapid pack math and new geometry shaders that aren't implemented in anything yet? I do not. Um, would it be nice if they did? Yes. But they don't. And, you know. Yeah. I don't think people are buying this nook for just for, you know. Rapid pack math. You know, I, I, I don't give half a rat's ass that it's not <laughs> Vega. Honest to God, it at, at the price and the uh, TDP, it offers yeah. wonderful performance yeah. at the in, level of integration is impressive. I mean, it really I is. Agree. One kind of little chip that's about the size, you know, slightly larger than a uh, NVMe drive. Yep, and you get all of that, all of it. All right. Before we move on to our next set of Intel rumors, we have Patreon pledges from. Well, this is a good one. Not Ryan's mom balls up Kingfish. What is the current <laughs> record pledge? Just edited their pledge from one 
thirteen eleven to one twenty three forty five. I mean, what does that even mean? Wow. Holy crap! I know this is pretty awesome. Thank you, not <laughs> Ryan's mom. Uh, the record pledge is one thousand five hundred dollars. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're going <laughs> to spike it. We'll spike a little bit higher. Uh, I think I think there might be somebody over one twenty three forty five. I'll have to load check later. And then um, uh, I guess based on Jeremy's silence this episode, we have one uh, that just pledged five dollars. Of why is Jeremy on this show? <laughs> <laughs> pledged five dollars and we're going to answer that question right now because jeremy's going to tell us about the latest intel rumors jeremy yeah you got a few of them too you do uh the first one i don't think too many people care about which is that cabby lake x is likely going to die before the end of the year it was, <laughs> it was never alive part, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it was never really alive in any way it was just sort of announced about the same time ryzen was and no one cared I mean, so, it was announced know. with Skylake X, right? They announced both these, all these parts. They announced and launched them. Yeah. The two. I think we had one. Yeah, we have a 7740X, I think. Yeah. A whole one. Yeah. There's sure. more shields than that. <laughs> a lot more, actually. If you like your 7700K to be on a bigger socket, there you go. Always. Always. Now, as far as what we do care about, Skylake X is getting a refresh, and one of the Parts about it is that they're moving to solder underneath the heat spreader as a Tim. So people won't be delitting these ones as much as they uh, have the last. And this also means, uh, you know, from the rumors, about 150, 200 megahertz jump in frequency just based on that. What's the timing of that? Do they say when those new parts might be out? Towards the end of the year-ish. Okay. Uh, so think Q3, Q4. But the other thing about it, and it was uh, Supermicro that let this one's flip is that uh you're gonna have a 300 watt tdp oh my god that ass. jesus back. which Where? is utterly insane and That's a lot so super micro essentially said you know our new uh x299 boards are going to support up to a 300 watt tdp so That's you know there's going to be some vrm layout changes yeah i coat those vrms in gold yeah so it so can melt down and you can sell it and buy another system. No, yes. but you know, aluminum dissipates heat faster. Copper just conducts it faster. So just coat them in aluminum. It's much cheaper. Fine. Fine. Yeah. Works for wiring. But you know so what? 300 this is watt not processor? Exact... What the yeah, hell? Sorry. What? Well, the rumor is that their, their boards are going to support 300 watt TDPs. So... Like, if you add overclocking in there, I don't think they're going to ship a 300-watt processor. So, 275, still, that's pretty impressive. Like, it looks like how much power the 7900X was drawing when you were overclocking it. Yeah, oh, it was a lot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I would hope it's not 300 on the base, and then you can overclock it. What if it's 300 on the base, and they're not allowing you to overclock? (laughs) That would sound like Intel. That's kind of been a thing. I would do that. Do you know the numbers of AMD's Threadripper versus uh, Intel's uh, 299 series? Numbers in terms of like shipping? (laughs) Yeah, AMD ate about 30% of that market with Threadripper. Uh, I do not know that offhand. And that's something Intel is responding. That's something that sways you know month to month as well. Um, I, I will say it's significant. I don't think it's up to 50%, but it might be in that 30% range. No, no, 30. Yeah, 30, yeah I, I would imagine 25 to 30 because 
it's a solid product for a lot cheaper. And if you imagine, we're probably going to see a new thrower for that, say, Computex time period, judging mm-hmm. on when, like, yeah. we're getting up on Zen Plus launch, it seems, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. they said, about April. So, yeah. you know. What's the, uh, what are the other other things that stand out on this uh, roundup of rumors? Uh, well, the other two things are Cascade Lake uh, is probably going to be 2019, as opposed to the end of 2018, as we were hoping. So again, you know, likely to see it at Computex around the same time you're seeing that other processor. All right. And a very quick mention with almost no details whatsoever about Intel's new discrete GPU, which is going to be called Arctic Sound. And so you'll get the on-die version sort of like you've got with the, the Vega chip right now and a discrete uh, GPU accelerator for streaming tasks and from the sounds of the HPC duties that uh, NVIDIA does. Raj is going to be working on it. But I don't expect to see them in the desktops. Yeah, and I again, would, I all rumors. It's very early for GPU design, right? So there, there's there's two avenues that Intel could take in that regard. They could take their existing architecture that already, you know, is 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 fairly good in the integrated sense, and you could just scale it up, right? And then you scale it up, you make a much bigger chip, and you decide, well, is this TDP? valuable uh do do all the um fixed function units can we can we attach enough ROPs? can we attach a wide enough memory interface to it to make it all function and usable um you could do that and you could do that relatively quickly uh if you have all the tools in place and all the personnel in place um i'd be i'm very curious if this if arctic sound is supposed to be a new architecture and you know anything is being said about it in 2018 that's really quick um well i mean i think the rumor was that it was it's going to it was a part that was more focused on like server acceleration for things like encoding it was a media probably using gen 9 architecture yeah that they're going to try to repurpose as more of a discrete gpu solution i mean they could do that i i would my advice to them would be oh please dear lord if it's not honestly a very good part do not release it right like <laughs> if you're intel at this point you they, they've got all this like positive hype around them yeah. like oh what are they going to do what's their discrete gpu going to look like and if they release a clunker the intel i740 josh remember that part right intel i740 discrete that was their gpu discrete gpu yeah it was probably in 1999 3d that's right correct starfighter yep um mm-hmm. It was not very good, but it was okay. No, it was it was good if they had released it on time. <laughs> but they decided to add all these AGP function to it and uh, made it essentially a year and a half late. Well, enough toodles, I guess. What it is. All right. Um, we have this Dell G series on the rundown, but I think I deleted it from the show notes, so I don't have a link for it. Uh, but Dell released G series gaming notebooks. I don't have a. I don't have anything for it. Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's like their Inspiron level gaming notebooks. It's their sort of mainstream gaming notebooks, not the uh, Alienware stuff. So I mean, they've had the Inspiron 15 gaming for a while. I think they're just kind of rebranding. Uh, HP did a sim- similar thing today. Uh, we didn't have the news up on it, but they they have Inspiron gaming notebooks now, as opposed to their Omen stuff. The uh, HP does not have Inspiron. Sorry, notebooks. Pavilion. There you go. I was yes. like, I was, I was thinking through my wheels, and I was like, no, something's not right in that sentence. Oh, there it is. Yep, got They're it. Very similar brands. They if are. You think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. got it. So, 
Okay. All right. So there's that. Let's let's talk about uh, Samsung 7 nanometer. Apparently, based on this story from Tim, Samsung completes development of its 7 nanometer process tech. Um, this is a heavily translated document, so keep that in mind as we go through all all the details. They're six months ahead of schedule with its 7 nanometer EUV process. Um, I wouldn't think you would ever be complete with the development of a process technology. <laughs> Just saying. Well, you complete development. I mean, I and you put it into production. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you're always like, you know, trying to get higher. You're always tweaking and, it in better. Oh, sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah. Um, they have their first customer apparently in Qualcomm. Their uh, Samsung's pushing hard and fast with its process technology. Let's see. Um, Six whole, billion that, dollars in a dedicated EUV line at its foundry in mm, Weixiong, Korea, and that, a slated that picture, for completion second half of next that year. Picture with that uh, density of buildings there. That's that's accurate. <laughs> like the surrounding buildings. Yeah. Like <laughs> how in the hell did they afford to even clear that much space? Government out of that area uh, because Samsung owns pretty much the all government. That place. Yeah. Like, Wait, did somebody go to jail things. for that already? <laughs> and sure that, they did. Maybe those are all pools on top of the uh, yeah, swimming pools. Of <laughs> like yes. you drive around Korea, the, like those buildings. Pools, though. Those buildings on like the bottom left there are like apartment buildings for the workers. Yeah, and they actually say Samsung on the side of them. Yeah, yeah and those are all over freaking Korea. Yeah. 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 Um, and don't ever try and buy a Dyson vacuum there. Fair. I mean, you wouldn't be surprised to like. Apparently, Samsung has 10 EUV units on track to produce the Snapdragon 855 for Qualcomm towards the end of this year or and early We next know year. how much uh, power those EUV units pull. Um, I know I mean, how much I mean, power some EUV units pull because I've seen Global Foundries, but I, I assume yeah, okay. that they're only made by one <laughs> let me, person. Let me tell you this. There's one group. Yeah. That is actually selling EUV units. I think it's like a 120-watt laser. But I forget what the source power is. But it's for that. like ten megawatts. Yeah, it's a lot. The whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I think that so might be too some much. brownouts in their but. Samsung company <laughs> well, apartments. The employees don't need electricity. We need to run the uh, EUV units. Yeah. Go go go! Cannot browse the internet uh, from the hours of uh, eight a.m. to four p.m. Well, you know, or any lights on when the workshop's going on. No, nobody's at all the apartments because they're all the the factory. So you they, know, they switch the power off to get yeah. you out in time. Yeah. It's interesting to talk about this stuff. So, like, I went and saw EUV Global Foundries. They were installing their second uh, machine when I was there. Um, they weren't in production level stuff yet, though. Uh, Samsung has already surpassed Intel in terms of being the largest semiconductor company in the world in terms of revenue. Like, Samsung Semi, Samsung Semi outpaced all of Intel, mm-hmm. not including Samsung's refrigerator. TV business, right? Samsung. No, I, I think they actually have more clean room space than Intel does now, which I, is that would not surprise me. I mean, as much memory as they produce, yeah. So this this is I think this is good news. It's bad news for if you're Intel. It's bad news if you're Global Foundries. It's bad news if you're TSMC, maybe. Um, but for the industry, for people who are looking to build these chips, you know. Qualcomm, if the, if they are in fact the first customer with the Snapdragon eight fifty five, what benefits do they get out of seven nanometer? Right, I, I don't know the answer to that yet. But um, well, actually, yet. this story says uh, Samsung notes that seven nanometer process can produce dyes about forty percent smaller than its ten nanometer process, 
and the smaller process can offer 10% more performance or up to 35% more power efficiency at the same level of performance, which will be a huge boost for rebel processors and products. So again, if this leaked translated story is accurate, that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big boost for uh, 2020. 2020, I can believe it. 2019, no. Mm. EUV is still, mm. I mean, last year there were some, you know, honest to goodness, the beginning of last year, there were 10 units around the world that were actually under testing yeah. and doing anything. It's amazing I how, mean, how, how quickly people can produce things if you're willing to buy them for hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> for a lot of money. <laughs> As it turns out. But, but interesting news nonetheless. And then also in clean room news, Micron is apparently constructing a new clean room for 3D NAND fabrication uh, and research and development in Singapore. Um, let's see. The new facility is being built adjacent to Micron's existing NAND facility uh, where Micron has already invested $4 billion to expand in 2016, although they did not disclose the investment for the new clean room space, except that it say it was a multi-billion dollar project. Micron is another one of those companies that is a huge beneficiary of the memory market in its current state. Yeah. Right. They uh, are they, they're making DRAM. They make DRAM. They make, do they make flash? They make flash. Oh yeah. Yeah. They Micron flash. 3D. Oh, yeah. MFT. Yeah. But, but they, Intel and Micron. They're, but they're interesting in that they're one of the, well, I must say they're one of the few verticals, but really it's all the verticals the vertical companies that are the most powerful, Samsung, Micron, yeah. Intel. Um, although Intel uses other people's flash and stuff and controllers yeah. occasionally I mean, as well. Micron uses uh, other people's controllers. Yeah. You know, they don't like make their own controllers generally, yeah. but they make everything else. The DRAM on the SSD, the flash on the SSD. The it was interesting when we had um, the reps for Micron, John out here, and John. the two Johns, yeah. yeah, the two Johns, if you will, out here. They talked very specifically about focusing on consumer level products. Yeah. They wanted to, they wanted to push the crucial brand. It was a crucial brand. It's a crucial brand. Yeah. To like consumer level products, mm-hmm. not just white boxing, OEM, all that type of stuff. Right. Um, and, yeah, the Micron brand is like the OEM, yeah. and then the Crucial brand is just yeah. like the retail. Yeah. But it, but it's an interesting discussion about like where is it most profitable, right? When you sell to the end consumer, they are cost conscious. That's right? true. We are we are watching dollar per gig. Yeah. Right. Whereas and, if you're only selling it to the enterprise market, you're selling it to these these server units. Yeah. And Micron Micron does make very high end server parts as well for for SSDs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um. And what's what's ironic is like when you get to the crucial side of things, typically you have like, you know, MX five hundreds or in the past, you know, all the way back to like MX one hundred. That was always the one you saw in like the fire sale price. Yeah. It was like, holy crap, look at this deal on these. Like, you know, can't think can't even imagine how many times picks of the week have been some form of a crucial sure. SSD, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, um yeah. they're always they're always the ones that tend to have like the very competitive MSRP and then they go on sale. Yep. It's like holy crap. Um so somehow they're still making money on that. And I think well, okay. Let me let me interrupt here, because the most amazing thing to me about Micron is that in the '90s they were a small computer manufacturer in Idaho. <laughs> still, they're still based in Boise. Yes, yeah. I said it right, John. Shit, yep. Boise. What? What are you sad for? Oh, sorry. Am I back? Oh yeah, there you are. Anyway, oh, yeah, Micron. Uh, in the early 90s, small computer manufacturer in Idaho, and they have grown to this. There was a time when... They are the anti-OCZ. 
That's true. Yes. <laughs> they are. You're right. Aww. Crucial became most – and Crucial's brand was, was built on the memory configurator. Remember that? Like yeah. you yep. told it what PC you had, what Compaq or gateway machine you yep. had. It was for RAM. And it would tell you what memory you could buy, what RAM you could buy to upgrade your system. Mm-hmm. And it was a huge database, reliably accurate. Um, and there was a point actually early, early, early in AMDMB's existence where Crucial was the largest sponsor we had, like by a significant margin. They were just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just put a links up to a configurator. We're good. And I was like, yep, can okay. do, right? Like all these banners running running yeah, Crucial yeah. stuff. Um, and they kind of fell off for a little bit. Now they've they've researched some. So it's interesting. Uh, I mean, they've been company. fairly strong on SSD since – Way back, they had. They just don't have the brand yep. cachet that yeah. Samsung has, or even Intel has. I think, for the most part, that's true. Um, I, I had a crucial. Uh, I think it was a like a ninety eight hundred Pro. They were making AMD graphics cards at some point. Wow, I do not remember that. Wow, for a short yeah. amount of time. Yeah, they 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 OCZ did. Made Nvidia and for but like so really? one generation, yeah. and that was it. Wait, really? OCZ made GeForce cards for I think one gen. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like those are two graphics cards we should have three. somewhere around the office, like up on a wall. Shortly before things went to hell. Yeah, for one of them. It's a least. mishmash of yeah. stuff. All right, let's uh, talk about this interesting story, Jeremy. Computers can now read my poker face, you tell me? That's good, because yep. people already were doing that. Yeah, hold on while I attach all these probes to your cheeks. Yeah. And, uh, you know... So yeah, what it is does, this It about? really does look like a face hugger with very bad spatial perception <laughs> sort of came in from the back. Uh, but so the idea is that this uh, thing, which is an alter ego, it's a project out of MIT. It senses just sub-vocalization. So just the barest movement of your tongue and translates that into speech at about a 92% accuracy rate, which is not too bad, although it's still going to be entertaining occasionally. And it it makes great sense for being combined with VR because... One of the things with VR is you're very limited in your inputs because, well, you can't see a damn keyboard. So unless you're really good at touch typing and figuring out where you are on the keyboard, you're limited in the ways you can interact with the the world you're in. This text-to-speech sort of in a form factor that could be built directly into a much larger VR headset or at least one with extra fingers on it would probably be a really damn good thing. The other benefit of it is that you can put this on someone who's lost their ability to talk for whatever reason. And just as long as they've got some basic muscle control, this will be able to make the speech into text or make the sub-vocalization into speech to text that's being read out. So it's got a couple of interesting uses. And it's going to be a little while before we see it, but it will be interesting to see how this extends and if we can get some sensors that don't look quite so creepy. Speaking of creepy sensors. I'm curious if this is better or worse (laughs) than the OCZ Neural Impulse Actuator. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Michael Schutte is so proud of you. Uh, He is. This was uh, literally sitting on a shelf. It's the easiest thing I've ever found in this office. (laughs) And um, I was going to ask you to grab some cards. So, by the way, when when you make that hand gesture to them behind your laptop screen. I thought I was... No, you were doing it like right here. He was like this. I don't know, you probably you guys could see it. I, really. I, I could see it, but I was All just right. like, what are you doing? Like, trying to make it rain at some point. Yeah, like, no, make it rain. That's different. That's the, yeah. so uh uh that's an Here's interesting. Alan, you know, that's interesting, Jeremy. However, 
the neural impulse actuator allowed me to control a pong game with my it's mind, true. but not really with my mind, but with micro muscle movement. You had to like, you had to like. Yeah, your, it was like raise your eyebrows. I was like, guys, that's not neural impulse actuating. That's oh yeah, that's neural. Well, what do you think is making, making the eyebrows move? move? Well, then in that case, everything. My mouse is a neural impulse actuator yes. as yes. well. Good job. You can market that. Uh, but I, I bet the I bet drivers aren't haven't been updated for this in a while. Probably I not. Think. Probably uh, not. It looks, this looks a little bit like a Wonder Woman tiara or something to me bit. as I wear it now. So you can maybe crawl, but yeah. Oh, the NIA got Vista 64-bit drivers at some point in 2008. Okay, so we're close. Sweet. We're close. All right. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, HP announces the Chromebook X2, world's first detachable Chromebook. Ken, tell me about this Chromebook. It looks Is detachable. there a song with detachable Chromebook? Yep. It's my Kingdom favorite band. You probably uh-huh. don't know them, though. So what am I looking at? What's special about this? It's the world's first detachable Chromebook. I like, how, I like how that left three triangles on your head. Nice. Yeah. So uh, I think it was two weeks ago, right before the iPad announcement, uh, we saw Acer announce the first Chrome tablet. Okay. <laughs> Apparently. Something on the web about how's the first Chrome tablet. <laughs> <laughs> How's the Fuzz Crim tablet going? Yeah, over there? yeah, the Fuzz that, Chrome tablet. We came up with the right article, uh, but so this is kind of building upon that. It's the first detachable two-in-one okay. Chromebook. So you get kind of. Is it seems like a pretty like a high quality device? What are the specs? Here we are. Yeah, Core M three. Yeah, it looks like a premium built device. They're I think at a high price point. It's five ninety nine, I believe, for okay. the thirty two gig version. I think that's the only version with the Core M three, four gigs of RAM, and the keyboard attachment. Gotcha. So they're only saying it with the keyboard and stylus, which is a nice touch. But five ninety nine. Yeah, I mean it's fairly high for a Chromebook. Yeah. Although it's we've seen expensive Chromebook. I was gonna say we've seen yeah. Google's go way higher than that as well. Yeah, that seems cheap for a Chromebook somehow, which is kind of sad. Yeah. Well, for a premium one, I'll agree with. But if you th- if you combine the capability to run Android apps, which this will do, it has that capability and the mm-hmm. sort of tablet functionality. If you're looking for a tablet, but also or looking for a Chromebook, it could be an interesting sort of crossover yeah, it's, point. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough discussion to have after Apple did their iPad education thing, you know, yeah. two ninety nine, but plus a Kate, plus a keyboard, plus a it's, stylus. Yeah, more than five ninety nine. Uh, I think it. No, I think it's two hundred bucks extra, so it takes you to four ninety nine. I think case for, and a stylus for the for the keyboard case is a hundred bucks from Logitech and the stylus is a hundred bucks. Huh. It takes you from three hundred to five hundred, so you're in the range. But this is still this is still a yeah. more expensive item. But it does look interesting. It's been a while since I've looked at another Chromebook. Yeah, um, I've kind of had the urge to try Chrome OS again recently. I was trying to figure out what the best Chromebook we have in the office is. We've got several. Yeah, I, I will also hmm. say I saw I got an email today about some new Google uh, Gmail features and offline support coming back. Ah. To uh, to Gmail. I kind of want to just try Chrome OS for a week. Yeah. At some point. Let's see. Why, Why is he laughing? I move from laptop to laptop pretty frequently. And yeah, the like, vast majority of things, like, I usually only install Chrome. Yeah. It's, yeah, I don't do everything I do more is browser based at this but, point. Yeah, I'm with yeah. him. You know, education is buying these things up hugely. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, Apple had uh, kind of a a big thing in there. Because, you know, a lot of teachers had used Mac products mm-hmm. and they were happy with them and they got a lot. Right now, just the price of Chrome books is 
overwhelming everything else. Can be. This is not that one, but probably not. And this is not repairable like the schools want, I would imagine, Mm. as a tablet. Like Apple's repairable? No, that isn't either, but like schools aren't going to buy this for students because it's giant pane of glass right. that they can do nothing with uh, a couple more stories uh one 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 we have four ones uh cloud fairs encrypted dns still going strong question mark hear me well no there's no question mark oh, okay there was when they announced it on april 1st because okay. you know that's the perfect day to announce a new product that's isn't a bad it idea, yeah four ones four one yeah work for apple sense yeah. i get yeah, it i mean but but uh, April April Fools trumps all. Yeah, yeah. Even if you are four ones, and for the first week there was a crap load of traffic through it. A lot of it was like complete and utter garbage. Just people trying to see if they could bring it down. And long story short, they couldn't. So if for whatever reason you don't like Google's DNS, or for many good reasons you don't like your ISP's DNS, mm-hmm. this is a new one uh, to give it a shot. It is free and it fully supports. Both, uh, which to, uh, DNS over TLS and DNS crypt. So if you want to go through the nightmare of setting up, uh, encryption on your DNS, you can do it and it's fully compatible. It does sound like it's, a nightmare. It, it's not fun to do. It can be done. And a lot of people have done it and some of them don't simply offer it to you. So mm. it's nice. And besides, if you're not so much into the eights, Go for the ones. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, and last but certainly not least, Corsair has made some memory that is not RGB. It's not bright red, green, or blue. That's what RGB stands for. Uh, it is instead a nice, classy finish. This White. is <clears throat> Dominator Platinum Special Edition. Um. Individually numbered kits feature monochrome white and black design with white LEDs. The modules come in 32 gig kits comprised of either four eights or two sixteens. Um, the fancy black and pearlescent white special edition memory features 10 layer PCBs, carefully screened Samsung IC and dual heat exchange cooling. Top of the modules hold white LEDs, no RGB and add well, a bit it's of glow pearl, to your pearl white, meaning you really have to see it in person and you can't go by any photo of it pretty much. Is that yeah. what that implies to you? Like pearl white is extremely hard to photograph. Yeah, but if you need a white RAM module, so that's, you yeah, that's about it. your only choice. Yeah, now, now, the, now the problem with anything that says special edition, individually numbered, usually means what? It's expensive, expensive. Well, along expensive. with anything that says DDR4. Anything that says memory, yes. <laughs> it says RAM on it. Uh, <laughs> so the 2x16 gig kit is $439 MSRP. The 4x8 kit <laughs> is $479. Okay, that seems high. <laughs> But I mean, you you match it with that MSI board, and you put it, it in that uh, Corsair two seventy five R that Sebastian just reviewed, and you've got a nice metallic white system. You can look at your money flying away. Yeah, just, it does have an XM two XMP two point profile that goes up to thirty four sixty six. Um, so there is that. It is fast memory, at, at least. It better be, but it is you uh, want. it is expensive. But I I do I just. No, that's not very good. Uh, I do like... So you buy the cheaper stuff and you get some white paint. Darn these. Darn this low quality picture. Yeah, I guess. Either too big or too small, right? Just saying. 
Whatever. Take an afternoon. You'll know if they're not individually numbered. You'll know. I, I can individually number my RAM modules. You, you need to send those to Sebastian to photograph. I didn't get any. They didn't send oh. me any. Oh, I know. Because they're limited edition. Still needs to photograph them. Oh, well. All right, let's get to our hardware software. Oh, I forgot it. It's sitting over there on the desk. Will you get that for me? Uh, my hardware pick of the week is a ruler. <clears throat> one, ruler. one PCB to rule them all. No, you can't. What? I can't what? Uh, so this was a uh, something that NVIDIA gave out to some of the media analyst groups at NVIDIA GTC this year. This is something that's been around for a while. You've probably seen pictures of it. Um, anybody who goes to visit the new NVIDIA campus can go to the um, uh, gift shop and buy these if they're available. They're how much? $3.50? About $3.50. About $3.50. <laughs> uh, so this is basically it – is, it is a just over let's, – let's see. It's 30 – oh, wait, hold on. It's a – one foot ruler, 30 and a half centimeters. Uh, but the important thing about this ruler is it has all the, you can show these pictures here. It'll be a little bit better descriptor here. It has a bunch of just like cool engineering, you know, stats versus metrics and stuff. If you want to see what the pin layout of a, a GTX 1080 GPU is, that's this guy right here, or a GTX 1050. Tegra X1, Tegra K1. It has more practical layout stuff for it. It like, does too. But like, hey, look, here's DDR3, GDDR or DDR4, GDDR5, LPDDR4. Uh, it's got trace pitches yeah. down here. You've got uh, tables that show your uh, trace width, your impedance, and your uh, what is milliohms per centimeter? Is that what I'm looking at? It's the resistance of the trace. Resistance. Yeah, it's okay. It's an ohm. There you go. Uh, it gives you all the formulas, like in case you forget that V equals IR, P equals I squared R, P equals VI. Uh, it's it's just a really cool... I wonder where the QR code leads. Trinket. Uh, I bet it goes to NVIDIA.com. It says NVIDIA.com under it, but maybe not. And then on the front side, you've got... Uh, like all your standard capacitors. Polarized and, capacitors, inductors. Yeah. All this pretty cool stuff. All the surface mount, which even if you're not a, a surface mount engineer, um, is still is still pretty neat. To I don't want to explore rulers on Pinterest. Oh my god! Uh, what makes it cool is if you had a surface mount component, like you got your hands on our surface mount resistor, or you know, and yeah, you want to know wanna, what size is that. Like you have no idea if you were yeah. trying to find a replacement. Right? I mean, clearly this doesn't going to have everything on it. No, but it's got a lot. Um, it's got a lot of the common ones. What are the holes on the on the top for? Wire gauge. Oh, yep. there they are. Okay. It has the labels on the other side, right? Wire gauges, 8, 10, 12, 14, 18. We couldn't see, Josh, if we had this, we had that power supply open, we could see. Yep. It only goes down to 8, but, you know. Mm-hmm. It was probably 8. Here's your tooling <laughs> sizes. By Josh Tech. Made in USA. Uh, we looked. You can buy these on eBay. They're selling for like anywhere from 25 to 35 bucks, I think. Um, there are also plenty of other people that have made PCB rollers like this, like digital keys and their generic yes, ones. Correct. So. correct. Now you won't have GTX 1080 lab, you know, pinouts on it's them. True. Um, Can they fit a Titan on there? What, what, what does no. it taste like? <laughs> Notice there's no 1080 Ti on here. The ruler is not wide enough for that. Uh, what does it taste like? It probably tastes like copper. Does it tastes like copper. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, doesn't smell like pennies. Oh, well. Uh, so that was pretty cool. So th- what do they even call this? What's it? 
what's it actually called? Uh, it's the NVIDIA ruler. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah, apparently it's a very hot commodity at the NVIDIA offices, so you can pick one up on eBay if nothing else. Uh, who's up next? MKV tool. Yeah, so uh, I had some MKVs that had like default language being like Polish or something. You know, the language. As Are you, you talking MKV, yeah. the, the Soviet uh, secret uh, no. police? No, the media uh, transport. Video files. So, um, oh. so if you have some, uh, a video that you might have acquired any random place on the internet that happens to have Big like... Bunny. It happens to have like either subtitles that are default in a different language that you don't want to pop up every time and have to like change back to English or, you know, a language that's not English and you want to change it back to English every single time. Mm-hmm. You can just re-transcode. Well, not, it's not a transcode. Remember a virtual dub with direct stream copy thing? I don't just remember it. I know it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like you could take that and you can modify which audio tracks were in a, you know, an mm-hmm. old, like a an yeah. AVI or something, right? And you can then just do a uh, straight copy where it didn't re-encode, you didn't lose quality. Right. It just kind of recreated the file just without the streams you didn't want. Right. Right? This is the same thing for MKVs. You can just choose, there's just checkboxes. You open a file, you drag into it, and you, it just shows you everything that's present. All the streams, everything else. If there's a DTS stream that was taking a bunch of space and you just wanted the regular two-channel audio, just uncheck the DTS stream. And like, you know, re, yeah. you know, uh, export the okay. file, and then you just end up with a file with the stuff stripped out that you didn't want in the original. All right. Simple so this is the kind of tool that I don't, I, I would never use because it has downloads for CentOS, Debian, Fedora, FreeBSD, Mac, Windows, Ubuntu, Slack. It has Windows. Open, Open Indiana. Others. Let's see what's others. I don't even know. Chocolatey? No, wait. <laughs> That's the Windows Package Manager. Oh, others. Well, Unfortunately, I don't have access to other distributions. And cannot provide binaries. No, never mind. Yeah, okay. but they do have a Windows build. That's what led me to them because I just wanted to do it on Windows and not MKV Tool Nix. There's a bunch of different. There's a bunch of different MKV tools. Like there's like one for building MKVs and one for just like picking them apart and like taking all the streams out, like extracting everything. But this one is just a you know front to back MKV in, MKV out. Right, sort of thing where you just—it's as simple as you could possibly make, you know, that desire. Yeah. Right. I just don't want Russian language in this movie coming up every time I play it. Just get rid of it. Okay. Here, if you buy the movie from iTunes, it doesn't do that. That's true. <laughs> Maybe I've heard that somewhere. Uh, let's see who's next. It's a uh, humble. Got me, Jeremy. That's <laughs> Jeremy. Yep. Nothing better, but. This is actually a pretty damn good bundle because right. I own almost all of these games already, so obviously they've got good taste. And besides, <laughs> you're supporting PC Per. But it's got the entire Endless series. Endless of the en- Dungeon of the Endless, Endless Space, Endless Legend, and Endless Space 2, if you put in enough. It's also got the uh, Whale and Dolphin Conservatory pack for Company and Heroes 2. Sorry, sorry. No what chicken is, and cow. What, is, what? what are all these words you're using, Jeremy? <laughs> Whale and Dolphin. <laughs> Whale no. and dolphin, got it. As opposed to cow and chicken. So these is all Listen like real, these are all just RTSs. What are they? Like, I guess. Yeah. Okay. 
they're all well. Some of them are RTSs. Some of them are turn-based uh, with great multiplayer support. If you've got a couple of friends who also like it, the Total War Empire is obviously just sort of a Total War thing. Mm. And Tooth and Tail is an odd one that I haven't played, but essentially you're a mouse in a rat's world and could be relatively interesting. And super cheap, and you support a charity and PC purse, so give it a shot. Yay. Yay, indeed. Yay. Good job. All right. Uh, I guess that leaves Josh. I've got to go back to the show notes because he didn't have his in in time. Yeah, he did. Walworth. All right. What do you got? Oppogungan style. How about a 4K UHD player instead? How about it? You know, if you want one of the best on the market, <clears throat> and this is strange because the company is going out of business. Are they really? Oppo- Wait, really? Yes. Yes, they announced that mm. they are not making anything anymore i i very distinctly remember back when i uh considered myself a yeah a videophile who cared about stuff like researching which specific dvd player i wanted to buy that had the best image quality and i i had an oppo forget i don't know what the model number was but yeah it's it's still this one is the lower priced one i think it's a little over 500 yep 549 yeah, five forty nine. Uh, the other one is is a lot higher. Can I ask you but, a question? You know, if you want a really really good four K, okay, Blu-ray I mean, player, because they're going out of business. They're guess, not. These things need like firmware updates over time for new like keys and stuff. Uh, they're going to support them for okay. many years, so, but they're just yeah. going to sell out what they're not they've got anymore. Okay. The, the Oppo. Video and audio business is going out of business because they're still the fifth smartphone manufacturer in the world. Oh, got it. Which is weird. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, which means at some point in the future they'll just come out of the blue and release some whatever next video Maybe. format yeah, player somewhere to ten years from now or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of people who care about what it looks like and how they interface with it, this is a good choice. I, I mean, I would still tell people to buy an Xbox One S. Right, that's what three ninety nine. Way cheaper than that. Two ninety nine. You can get it for like two hundred bucks. An Xbox One S. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you get a game console. Uh, yeah. I, I I saw in Walmart you can get a four K for one hundred and twenty nine bucks. Yeah, hmm. may not be great. Yeah, but still, you know this one is built really nicely. <laughs> Indeed. All right. So that's going to be it for the show tonight, guys. Thank you for joining us. PCPer.com slash podcast. That's the URL you go to to find our show notes, links to all the stories we talked about, links to the pics we talked about, uh, RSS feeds, MP3 files, video links. All that stuff is all going to be included right there for you. Links to the butcherbox.com uh, slash PCPer if you need it. Use code PCPer. Because uh, you got a meat in the box. Yeah. Do that too. You could you can meet other people in the box. I know what you meant, Josh. It's fine. So that's gonna be it for us for tonight, guys. See you next week. Bye. Thanks to butcherbox.com for supporting PC Perspective. Receive free bacon and $20 off your first box when you go to butcherbox.com slash PC per and use the offer code PC per. <laughs>